Trail and Ultra Runners. What is going on? Welcome to another episode of the Coopcast. As always, I'm your host, Coach Jason Coop, and a fair warning before we get any further into this podcast, this episode contains a reasonable amount of salty language. If you have small children in the room, or if you happen to be sensitive to four-letter words, change the channel right now. This podcast is definitely not for you. Okay, for those of you that remain, you are in for a good one. On the podcast today, I have registered dietitian Abby Langer. I have come to appreciate Abby's no-nonsense approach to nutrition, where she not only eschews the fads, the trends, and other nonsense that is rampant in the nutrition world today, but she actively combats it with a scientific-based, no-bullshit approach. Make no mistake, if you're a dietary charlatan, a purveyor of nonsense, or self-proclaimed guru, Abby's going to come at you with a blend of pointed commentary, scientific evidence, and reckless abandon in order to debunk whatever garbage you are spewing. She pulls no punches, offers no quarter, and makes zero apologies in her blog, which all of you should check out. Her most recent post is on the worst diet trends of 2020 to date, and it starts out like this, and I quote, Oh, 2020, you're a fucking dumpster fire. And not just with COVID, but with nutrition trends too. It seems like things are getting more extreme, science is getting more twisted, and unqualified people are getting more bold in their nutrition advice, end quote. And I couldn't agree with her more. Her upcoming book, Good Food, Bad Diet, will be released in January of 2021, and I cannot wait to get my hands on it. As always, you know I have zero financial interest whatsoever in anything I promote on this podcast. I just want athletes and the listeners to have good resources, and in this case, have a little bit of fun along the way. Okay, let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with registered dietitian, Abby Langer. So this weekend, um, after our initial conversation, I was flicking through my Instagram feed and I saw I got a targeted ad, you know, like happens with everybody, right? Targeted ad from one of my favorite bullshit peddlers. Like he's Who? he's one of my favorite ones. It's Ben Green, Greenfield. I don't want to mention oh, him. Oh, no, he's, a t- he's the worst. Yeah, he's one of the worst. I used to actually respect him a lot. Because how? in how I know, right? It, well, because I've been in the industry for a while and I think it was like, it was, this is a long freaking time ago, like 2001, he was the NSA, NASM personal trainer of the year, which is like a really esteemed thing to get. Like it's, it's, okay. you know, it's like a board of your colleagues or, or a constellation of your colleagues that kind of like votes on it and stuff like that. It was kind of yeah, like yeah. early in his career and things like that. But ever since then, he's had a long time to undo that amount of esteem <laughs> and he's, he's done like, a really good job. Really, at it. He's actually dangerous. Yeah, I agree. It's anyway, th- this is, so this is not a, maybe, maybe it's on the dangerous side. We'll see what everybody thinks of it. Anyway, I'm scrolling through my Instagram feed and I get this targeted ad. It's like, ah, oh, you know, intermittent fasting is what was the, what was the verbiage? One of the most powerful tools you can use for always. your health. No, it gets better. Always with hyperbole. <laughs> you know, I do, yeah. It, I, autophagy was used, all that kind of stuff. Intermittent fasting is one of the most powerful tools you can use for your health and wellness. Here are the supplements you should use when you're intermittent fasting. And I'm just like, of wait course. a minute. Hold and then on. he's selling the supplements, right? Yeah. So I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. If this is one of the most, if this is one of the best things you can do, for your health and wellness, why do you have to take something else? I know. I know. Or like, if this is the best diet, why is it so deficient in all these nutrients? And then you have to add them from external sources. Like, shouldn't you be just getting them from food? It's so fucked up. And, you know, along the same lines, I got an email yesterday from this woman who had read my Gundry um, post and was like so angry that Gundry, that I was talking against him. And she, she called him like the illustrious Dr. Gundry and you know he's so innovative and she's lost so much weight and her friends have lost so much weight by going lectin free and I'm just like you're a fucking idiot lady when you get those is that actually want, do you even respond or you just say yeah, um only when people are particularly disgusting like when someone mm. called me a 
what did he say? A miserable liberal C word. Wow. That's impressive. Um, because he was a carnivore and he didn't like the fact that I did like a whole thing with men's health magazine on like the carnivore diet and how fucking shit it is. And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess you got one of those things. Right. But, um, fuck you. Like <laughs> don't ever fucking, but a lot of the, um, hate mail I get people like put fake names on whatever, but I'm actually collecting it because I want to do a video of me reading my hate mail. Oh, that's so good. So fucking great. That's so but good. I, I, I don't want to do it with just any hate mail. I want to do it with like, you know, the stuff that I get that is like so bad, like the one I got where a guy is like, why are you so miserable? Did your husband like fuck some other woman? Did your mother not breastfeed you? Did you? Yeah. It was wow. like, yeah. Okay. So here's the, <laughs> here, here's what I think is like the interesting question with all that. Why has it become so contentious with diet? Yeah, I know. People take it personally. Their identity is wrapped up in what they eat and in in their chosen diet yeah. um, because they have nothing else in their lives. So their entire life and their entire identity is wrapped up in that diet. And when I come along and say, listen, the science doesn't back that up or I don't know why you're eating like that because it's dangerous like to eat only meat and water and salt. Um they get angry because it's they see it as an attack on them. And then because they are in like a community of like-minded people, otherwise known as an echo chamber, um, they feel like empowered to stand up against anyone who thinks the way I do or the, anyone who goes against them because it's all this us versus them mentality. It's the same in politics. Now in the U.S., it's like us versus them. Everything is political. And, you know, like even the coronavirus, they turned it into some like something political where like in Canada, it's like they don't politicize things like that. They just like everyone work together and, you know, we're Canadian and it's all to protect each other. And meanwhile, in the U.S., it's like, you know mass are bad and mass versus mass are good and it's like oh it's like so crazy but it, it translates into like the way people think about other things in their life as well right 100 percent, and it's yeah, so different well I've, so I've 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 kind of started feeling like bad for the registered dietitians and the nutritionists out there because especially the ones that have been practicing for any appreciable length of time because you get into you get into that vocation to help people, right? People come to you, they want help, they want to learn how to eat healthier, yeah. they want to better their lives and things like that. And now I feel that a lot of the registered dietitians and the nutritionists out there, they spend more than half their time and maybe almost all of their time, like just having to like bat down nonsense as opposed to what they got bat into. Bat down nonsense. Seriously. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that, is that your experience as well? Like you're just having to you know like, what? I made a brand out of it though. Yeah. 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 And like it... I, if I was working for somebody else, it would be worse than it is now. But because I made a brand out of doing just that, then it's good for me. I, do I like to see it happen? No, of course not. It makes me so furious. Like people like Gundry or Ben Greenfield or any of those people, like it infuriates me that they are confusing people so much and that they're even, they even think they're qualified to spew such nonsense. Like Mark Hyman, like he's the worst, like who, but he has so many followers. And because he's a doctor, people listen to him and I have to go behind him and clean up all his mess. <laughs> Um, that's the way we all feel all of the dietitians yeah like i said i've i've i've, I've had the, i've had this conversation with a lot of nutritionists over the last like three or four years and the, the way that i summarize it is if they have a person or i'm in the athletic space obviously a lot more they have an athlete that comes to them and they want help they spend like the first 80 percent of the first six months working with them debunking everything that they've heard on the Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then they can, after that's kind of all unwound, which takes a, a lot of time, then they can actually kind of like move, like move the dialogue and the, and the practice forward. 
it is really frustrating. I have to say it's frustrating, but you know, that's part of the job, I guess. So what, so what's the solution like other than the call to arms in the registered dietitian and the nutritionist type of community to like go out and like actively like kind of combat all this stuff. What like is- there is none. There's no solution. There's always going to be snake oil salespeople in every profession. They've existed since the beginning of, um, I don't know, whenever people started to sell things, right? Snake oil. I mean, there were snake oil salesmen <laughs> like in the pioneer days, right? The tonic, yeah, the yeah, health yeah. tonic. Yeah. But um, so you don't, there, there's not necessarily a solution other than trying to educate the general public about how to, how to discern from bad information, bad information from good. But even then you're still going to get these people who try to convince others to about bullshit to line their own pockets. So, okay, this is this is what people I think that there's a lot of people out there ge- yeah. genuine genuinely want to get to that end. They want to figure out how they discern from I'm going to listen to this person and not that person. Right. And I feel bad for them. I like feel bad for the people that are trying to just like I feel bad for the nutritionists. I feel bad for the people that are trying to do that because they're, they don't have an educational basis right. to make that decision. So how, like, what's like the toolkit or the skill set or whatever that people can use to like figure that stuff out as they're getting bombarded on a daily basis with some, some nonsense and some good stuff? You know, I think it's important to take a step back whenever you hear of a headline or a study um, or if someone says something about nutrition, that sounds fantastic because it, that's all, there's a lot of that going on. And I think people are so quick to jump on it because they see it in the media, but just to realize that the media takes things all the time all the time and like any kind of new study and they spin it to be something it's not. We've seen it recently with an egg study, with a meat study. Um, it's like, we see it all the time. And, and, and so people should realize that just because they see something in the media or um, someone is a doctor and they're saying something doesn't mean it's necessarily true. You take a step back. Don't jump on it right away. And um, it's also important to realize that, you know, one study or one finding is fine. But in order to be applicable to a large population, study results, for example, like Meat causes cancer. Okay, can they replicate that those study results again and again? Because people like they take the uh, one study as gospel when in reality, um, to apl- in in order to apply it to a large population of the general population, you really should have several studies on that subject that replicate the outcomes. Do you understand? I I know I get where you're coming from. I take it a step even f- like further back from that. Are the studies done on human or mice? Like, oh, yeah, just start sure. with that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, and, you know, you'll see like in my book, like I don't, I try not to have any studies over five years old. Uh, I try, I try not to have any studies done on animals mm-hmm. at all or in lab dishes. Mm-hmm. Like these are really basic uh flags, if you will, that I look for in studies. Like, is this study done in a Petri dish on cells? Like, I don't give a shit about it then, because honestly, I mean, maybe it's preliminary research, but you certainly cannot extrapolate that to humans, nor can you extrapolate animal studies in most cases to humans, right? There's that, there's that um, famous study that people choose to use to like prove that sugar is addictive. Right. And it's done on rats who have been, um, who they withhold sugar from or withhold food from. And it's like this whole, the methodology was so bad yet it's used to try to prove a point. And it, 
doesn't prove anything, but it's repeated over and over again by like James DeNicolantino, who like is a big, like low sugar, no carb guy, um, like all these people. And, you know, it's like, and he's not even a medical doctor. He says Dr. James. Right. But he's not actually. He's like some sort of PhD or chiropractor or something like that. People need to wear, be aware of that too. Well, I, I think I think the one you're referring to is a classic one where they compared sugar addiction to cocaine addiction. It's the rats. worst fucking piece of shit study. It makes me so angry um, because, and I did a blog on my on my site for, about it because I just couldn't stand it any longer. Like I can't cope with these people who are like sugar's addictive. It's actually not addictive, okay? And if it is, we don't have that research to back it up. You may feel like you're addicted to sugar, but it's not a true addiction. Right. It's not. And people will argue with me over and over, but I'm like, don't give me these rat studies. They're bullshit. And like, it's not a true addiction. You can say you feel like you're addicted, but don't say that it's like crack. It lights up the pleasure center of the brain, just like sex, just like buying a nice shirt at Nordstrom, just like, you know, whatever, <laughs> seeing your friends, anything pleasurable in your life. But you know, that doesn't prove that it's addictive. But nobody's demonizing those things like they demonize no. sugar. That's no. the difference. <laughs> it's I, crazy. I, so I, I, I get kind of riled up when I hear that sugar is addictive or just as yeah. addictive as cocaine or, you know, whatever it's other hard bullshit. drugs that they're using. Or cheese. Yeah. Casein is like, addict. it's the same thing. And who, I forget who did that study or like who talks about it a lot, but they're such a bullshitter. It's like one of those doctors who wrote a diet book recently and they're like, oh, it's addictive as cocaine or whatever, cheese. It's like crack. And I'm like, fuck you. Because if you've ever known someone who's addicted to crack, you would never make that comparison. No. It's actually a disgusting, insulting comparison, yeah. Yeah. you know, and it's not true. Yeah. Besides okay. everything else, you know. <laughs> okay, well, let's not go down that rabbit hole too far. A rat hole. We should sure. start calling For it sure. that since we're talking yeah. about studies on rats. Um, I kind of want to get down to some of like the central themes of your book because you're notoriously anti-diet. Yes, I am. Okay, so first off, what does it mean to be anti-diet? So I have to make a distinction here because uh -huh. there are a lot of anti-diet dietitians who I don't identify with. Okay. I don't like diets. I don't put people on diets. I never have put people on diets. To me, a diet is a restrictive eating pattern meant to help someone lose weight. So that's how I define it. So, um, but an anti-diet dietitian is one who basically believes that any weight loss if that's intentional is not not cool like that it's it's due to you know um disordered eating or restriction and dietitians shouldn't be helping people lose weight all of that i truly believe that weight loss can coexist with um with normal eating what a novel concept <laughs> i know i know but so it, right now the profession is very polarized right. yeah. like there's people who are anti-diet health at every size like intuitive eating trust your body whatever and then on the other end of the spectrum are like hardcore like keto intermittent fasting blah blah, blah. so i fall somewhere in the middle i think some of the intuitive eating concepts are amazing and i do use them in my book but I don't think it applies to everyone. And in fact, I don't think anything applies to everyone. So when you, my book is not a diet. It's not going to give you like a meal plan. I hate meal plans. Um, they don't teach you how to make choices or self-manage your food. Um, it's not going to give you like grocery lists and tell you what to buy. It's also not going to tell you exactly what to eat when. It is a book that first off talks about why you eat the way you do and and what is happening in the background as you try diet after diet after diet why are you so compelled to go on all of these diets why do you feel the way you do about your body 
and about food. So we go right back to like negative core beliefs, where they started. Um, and then we, cause we all have negative core beliefs and then we switch those negative core beliefs into positives. You know, a lot of books, they, they tell people what to eat, but they don't, that's just a bandaid. I, I tr- believe that true meaningful change will never happen with nutrition unless you get to the why. Did your publisher, like when you submitted the manuscript or you, sub- or you submitted the proposal, did they push you to give more answers? Cause that's what people want, right? people people want like oh just tell me what to do tell me what to eat tell me what good what food is good and what food is bad <laughs> i know and i say to those people at the beginning of the book this isn't a diet book i'm not going to tell you what to eat i'm going to help you fit a, figure out your shit so that you I'm going to help you fix your shit so you can lose weight you're not going to lose weight and then fix your shit it's like cleaning out your closet. I mean, I use, I have all kinds of negative core beliefs that I talk about. So like I will, I give examples and I help um, people find if they have other ones, I help. It's like a whole, like you do the work first. What are the negative core beliefs that you see most frequently? I'm not worthy unless I weigh a certain amount. Mm. So identification with a number. Yes. Like I am not worthy of love unless I weigh X. Um, Food is protection. Food is safety. So like people will eat because it makes them feel safe. So I, I do give examples like real life examples of these things. And, you know, people who have these negative core beliefs will be like, wow, that sounds like me. Now, how do I fix it? So then we take that negative core belief and through a series of uh, steps, we learn to turn it into a positive. And we also talk a lot about negative self-talk because I see this all the time. Like I've had people, they get out, they get into a meeting with me or um, a one-on-one session and they're like, they immediately insult themselves. I'm so fat. I feel like a whale. I have no self-control, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, do you hear how you're talking to yourself? If this, if I was, if you, wait, I usually say, if you were talking to your best friend, would you ever say any of these things to them? Would you ever tell your friend they're so fat and they have no self-control? You'd never say that. So yeah. why would you say that to yourself? People start to cry. Yeah. Because they're like, you're right. Why am I saying this horrible shit to myself? And then we uh, we try to figure out how often they say it. And most likely they're saying it to themselves all day. Wow. Unbelievable. I'm I'm worth nothing because I I, I ate this. I have I have no willpower, which is such bullshit. Willpower is like the concept of willpower is like the worst invention of the diet industry ever but and it's it's sad so we go through all of that and and how to um figure out how to um turn that negative self-talk into a positive and how to figure out um how to stop it you know this is the stuff that we do this is the work we do in the book first and then we go into you know let's talk about proteins let's talk about fats let's talk about carbs and beverages and alcohol and all this stuff and how um science what science says um about it and how to incorporate these things or not into your diet and then the last part of the book are the 10 tenets of high value eating which basically helps you put everything into practice but i don't like want to hold people's hand because i can't hold your hand forever Right. You're trying to make them autonomous. And that's what I particularly yeah. identify with, with registered dietitians that kind of like take that practice. They're putting the autonomy in the hands of the client or the athlete right. versus right. just giving them a plan. And this is like kind of one of your points is like the diets is just a plan. That's honestly like just lazy. That's a lazy fix. Well, you can't follow. What are you going to do? Follow that for the rest of your life. Yeah, right. And I know it's a, it sometimes in some cases an example of what you should be doing, but people like no, they need more guidance. I think people do need more guidance than um, just eat according to how you feel and like eat, eat according to your hunger. We do go through that in the book, but people want more guidance, but they don't want so much guidance that they're like, 
you know, no carbs and don't eat sugar and right. eat three servings of meat a day. Like that's no, it's crazy making to people. So it's, it really lands right in the middle of the spectrum. And I'm hoping that um, it's, it's easy for people because that's how you make changes. You fix your shit and then you give people a, a, a sort of like guidelines that they can incorporate easily into their lives and really live their best life while doing it. Yeah. Well, so but I think what we've kind of gotten down to in terms of the prescriptive element of, of a lot of the diets that are out there is yeah. they're trying to put, they're trying to put everything in like a neat little box right? That people can easily kind of unpack. Okay. This is what happens. Step one. This is what happens. Step two. This is what There's happens. There's a lot step of three. like multi-step diets. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And, and because, one. well, it's almost, I feel like it's like building Ikea furniture, right? If you get the same like yeah, little diagram. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that what you pay for. <laughs> so, so what you would advocate for is the non-Ikea diet, like something that you actually have to genuinely invest in you have to do some yeah. freaking work in order to, to accomplish something. But at the end of the day, it would be it's going to be meaningful to you once you start to see those results. Yeah. And taking that a step further, um, it's really individualized to the reader. So they figure out their own negative core beliefs. They figure out their own likes and dislikes and what's going on with their diet. And, and they have to take... And, um, one of the 10 tenets of high value eating is, is take a look at your lifestyle and build what you eat around that your diet your lifestyle shouldn't fit your diet yeah your diet should fit your lifestyle and by diet i don't mean restrictive i just mean what we eat right um that word has been sullied i know it's kind of crazy you can't even use the word anymore right (laughs) Um, me. i said you can't even use that word diet anymore without it being like charged or polarized yeah whatever but yes. Okay. I want to, I want to ask you something like really specific about something that we see that we, that we see in the athletic spectrum and you probably see it as well, uh, along the weight loss side. And that is it worked for me. So we see a lot of information that's kind of like pedal, pedal down from person to person to person. Yeah. It worked for me. And like you have to, so, so we both work with people yeah. I always have this Jekyll and Hyde approach with that. It's like, okay, high five. We'll give you a high five that it worked for you. But then right. it gets disseminated amongst everybody else. What are your thoughts right. on that? Well, it's that's horrible. I mean, first of all, <laughs> anic- I don't give a shit how many times it worked for how many people. Anecdotes don't equal science. A thousand of your anecdotes is not going to give me one scientific study. It's not going to hold the weight. Plus, we don't know what else you did. You know, like if you said I did X and it worked for me, what else did you change? Did you change anything else? Like this woman who went on a lectin free diet the other day, she emailed me and she was like, this lectin free diet worked for me, la la la. And, you know, she was like throwing a few insults in there to me and whatever. And I was like, yeah, but what else did you change about your diet or your lifestyle? is it necessarily X, just X, or did you change Y, Z, A, B, C, right? And then the other problem is that when people disseminate this uh, anecdotal evidence and recommendations to everybody, they fail to uh, uh, acknowledge that we're all different. We all have a different socioeconomic status. Well, I mean, we could, that's a possibility. We all have different genetics. We all have different tolerances. We're all different. We're all different. We all have different likes and dislikes and lifestyles and, you know, like work hours and activity levels and all of that. So what works for this person probably won't work for everybody. And the problem is that there's this thing now, I don't know what it is, but like people are just they love to to say that a diet will work for everybody but usually in in confusing it usually there's like one thread of truth or one like mechanistic plausibility that goes along with the anecdote right yes the perfect example is the carnivore diet so there's a ton of people who who went on the carnivore diet i don't know where they are now they're probably eating carbs again but when it first became big people were like yeah i've been eating meat Um, only for three months and all of my rheumatoid arthritis or, you know, like whatever else um, 
disease, um, autoimmune disease symptoms are gone. And so this is the best diet. You know, everyone should be should be using it. But meanwhile, are they the symptoms gone because of number one, the placebo effect? Number two, not because of the carnivore diet per se, but because they've eliminated potential triggers because they basically aren't eating anything. Like, what is it? Right. So we don't know. And these people don't know. All they know is that it worked for them. Right. And then the mechanistic so, plausibility is, is like, yeah, you limit, you eliminated something that was contributing to everything. that. Yeah. Everything except for meat. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. easy to pick on the carnivores though, but they're so vociferous. It's crazy. Yeah. But they, it, it's easy to pick on the carnivores because they have been the most disgusting vociferous and non-evidence-based people ever. Like really they're so aggressive and so rude and they don't, it's like they and they completely espouse that us versus them. We hate everybody who doesn't agree with our diet or even we just hate everybody who doesn't do the diet. Right, right? right. And dietitians have been making people sick with the food guide. Meanwhile, like no one ever followed the food guide. So they don't know what they're talking about. You know, it's just they just make the, the grossest claims. And it's just it's easy to target them because they've been assholes. <laughs> Not all of them. But I mean, if you ask any dietitian on who's on social media, they'll say low carb, high fat and carnivore are like the two most aggressive um, and insulting and just like, just, yeah, like the worst groups to deal with because they're just so brutal. I like how, I like the fact something, a trend that's emerged recently. I like the fact that a lot of the well-intended registered dietitians who all know their shit have started to kind of like band together in this like we got your back type of system where they see some they see somebody getting dogpiled on and you're a good example of that right you get dogpiled on frequently but other people yeah. will come into the mix and be like no like this like you're abby's right you guys are all wrong and here's why yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because it will. And then you start wasting fucking hours of your time on Twitter, which is why I don't go on Twitter that much anymore, because it's like it's such a time sucker. Someone disagrees with you and then everyone piles on and then suddenly you have like all these, you know, notifications and you're trying and I don't even try to defend myself anymore because I don't want to waste my time. I just can't waste my time with these people because they don't. They're not open to learning. I am, if, listen, if you show me evidence that says that what I'm, that I'm, what I'm saying is wrong. And I mean, evidence, I don't mean a YouTube video. I don't mean anecdotal evidence. I don't mean a rat study. If you show me like legit evidence, I will, I will make a correction and I will change my tune. And I have, I have done that before, but none of these people have anything of value and they're not, they're not concerned with that. They just want to like, they spend their day in their parents' basement, like just insulting people. Like I see dietitians <laughs> arguing with like Ivor Cummins and like all these people who are like so radical and, and I'm just an extreme. I'm like, why are you wasting your fucking time? Like why? Well, so here, so here's what I ask people. I mean, this kind of goes back to my original questions. Like how does the average person discern who's peddling bullshit and who's actually got their stuff organized and together. I I always encourage them to ask whoever they're trying to figure, whoever they're trying to sess up, what would it take to change your mind on whatever particular subject? And the, the, the unthoughtful person who's already made up their mind can't come up with a good answer or they have to stumble through it, or they, you know, it's yeah. blah, 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 blah. There's like long winded, they use a zillion different anecdotes and things like that to come up with, you know, some, right. something. The person who has their shit together has already thought about that. Because they're because they're thinking about the world in a like a in a bigger context outside of the echo chamber that they have kind of created for themselves. That's like that's the litmus test that I give people. It's like, what would it take to change your mind? Well, it's funny because, yeah, a lot of people who 
and I don't mean to sound like an asshole, but I'm going to say that a lot of people who argue continuously on Twitter who are like that, who don't don't want to change their mind no matter what, are not smart. (laughs) And they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. There's so many people who are like engineers and um, engineers are are like programmers or like they're all like dealing Bitcoin and they're just like, well, I don't have a degree in nutrition. Why? Yeah. But I read this study and well, it works for me. And you're just like, okay, well, that's nice. But you know, you're a fuckhead and like like seriously well the the, the telltale sign is going back to the 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 mechanistic plausibility piece right the telltale sign of that is is they take one they take one biochemical pathway and use it to explain every everything 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 and I just shake my head. I'm like, do you realize how complicated the human body is? But it's inflammation. <laughs> yeah, right. It, there you go. Inflammation. There you go. And people like don't even know what that means. Right. They don't even understand that actually some inflammation is right. is normal. Right. right. But it saves your life. Yeah. Inflammation. Yeah, exactly. Basically. Exactly. Well, I mean, I can remember like I've, I've been in this long enough and I actually grew up in Dallas right next to the Cooper Institute there where all of the anti-inflammatory everything, all of the over supplementation and things like that started to come, stomach, come out of that clinic. And it was well intended at the time because yeah. that's, that was, that's what the body of research was saying at the time, but come around, you know, 20 years later and you have to actually like change with it. But to your point on inflammation, if, if, you're looking at somebody and they're saying, okay, there's this one thing that controls inflammation. We have to do everything that we can to stop that exact one thing. It's like, like you don't, yeah, you don't understand it. Oh, these anti-inflammatory foods. And you know, it's like change these and you'll live forever and blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, are you an idiot? Like, seriously, you're actually still a doctor. (laughs) Well, a lot of those people have got their medical license revoked. Yeah. Pardon me. A lot of those people have gotten their medical license revoked. Not Mark Hyman. I know. Well, maybe. He still works for like the Cleveland Clinic. No. That's just, is it the Cleveland Clinic? Wherever he works, it's, it's a shame. Like that's, <laughs> that's really bad. Okay. Let, let's, let's go, let's go down the final, final rabbit hole. Um, And I want to ask you about the worst diets of 2020. What's coming up on that? 2020 is not done yet. This podcast will come out with a scant two months left in 2020. So there's, there's time for it to change. <sighs> But what's gonna what is going to make the list this year? And I also want to know, like, not just because it's bullshit. You always back your stuff up with science. Why is it bullshit? Okay, so my number one pick is extreme fasting. Now I know that intermittent fasting does have some great evidence behind it for certain people. Yes, it's not for everyone, for sure. Especially if you have any kind of like even a whisper of an eating disorder, like don't even go there. But people now are taking it to another level. They're eating like two hours a day um, or they're skipping multiple days of eating all together in a row. Um, And I mean, they're they're saying, well, it promotes autophagy and like, you know, the, the mitochondria, blah, 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 the cells. And it's like. There's no evidence in humans that says that extreme fasting is more beneficial to your health than anything else, any other diet at all. Or just normal caloric restriction. Exactly. It's another tool in your toolbox to create a caloric uh, caloric deficit. And, you know, there's people that email me all the time. And they're like, you're wrong. I lost all this weight on, you know, I fasted. I'm fasting and I lost 40 pounds. And it's not just because it's caloric restriction. I'm like, yeah, it is. Actually, it is. But maybe that's the easiest way for you. So it works for you when other diets didn't. However, when someone it turns to extreme fasting, which means eating very few hours a day or, you know, going whole days without food, they really put themselves at risk for nutrient deficiency. And, you know, people will say, I'll just take a supplement. Right. But 
this troubles me for a couple of reasons. First of all, humans have never replicated some of the compounds found in food, primarily like antioxidants, but still there is a synergistic quality to the, you know, the nutrients, macro and micronutrients that we consume in food. And we can't get that from a supplement. Second of all, and just as important is what are you doing to the rest of your life when you only eat for two hours a day or for not at all for days in a row? How is that making you feel physically? How is that affecting your emotional health and your relationship to food and your body? How is that affecting your social life, which is very important? You know, all of these things ripple out. Do you have kids? Are, you, are they watching you eat like this? What are you teaching them? So I think we tend to shove that kind of stuff to the back burner in favor of like, but it's going to help me lose weight. But it's like, you got to consider the cost benefit of this eating plan to your life. Well, and sometimes I think it's short-term gain, long-term loss. Like we're going to look back at some of those yeah. behaviors like 15 years from now and those the people that are peddling it are going to be like, oh my gosh. Or they've just moved on to something else, which is probably more likely. Or their kids grow up. Their their kids grow up like the seven-year-old, seven-year-old I had in my office who wouldn't eat. And I took the mom into another office. I took her away from the girl and I said, have you been dieting? And she's like, I've been dieting in front of her for years. Well, why do you think she's having problems with food now? She is seven. Yeah. That, you know, this is what happens. And these people grow up, parental influence around food and eating has a huge impact. And there is research behind this. Long-term research has a huge impact on someone's uh, attitude towards food and eating in, well into adulthood. Yeah, right? here, here's the here's the rabbit hole we can go down uh, just based off of diet number one. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> let's 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 like take a bookmark here. So the first one is okay. extreme intermittent fasting. But to the, to that very point, Abby, one of the biggest issues that I that I've had with people who take this this diet worked for me. It works for everybody. Is social media allows them to punch above their yeah. weight in such a way that they are influencing people that they have no idea how they're influencing them to the extent of which you just brought up an example where it's the, the person's daughter, right? And son or daughter, the child. Yeah. But in social media, you don't know. If you have 100,000 followers, intermittent fasting is awesome. And a sliver of those 100,000 100, followers are actually going to have some sort of negative outcome because of that oh, influence. Of of course. And the whole Fitzbo culture and wellness culture. And there's this big kerfuffle among dietitians who are anti-diet because there's a lot of um, influencers who are using um, the hashtag body positivity and they're like posing in bikinis and, you know, all of that stuff. It's, it's cringeworthy. I mean, and yeah, as a mom of two girls, two preteen girls, I I shudder to think of what my daughters see online. And, you know, the best we can do is sort of just bring them up with, you know, good eating habits and the ability to, you know, suss out whether or not something's legit. Yeah. But, you know. And the influencer very rarely knows that they're creating that negative impact because all they have yeah, are people like, is. yeah, they, they just have people that are like reinforcing their right. belief or Absolutely. bias in their own echo chamber. And then it's people like you, people have to come to people like you and people like me that yeah. says, hey, this really screwed me up. Why? Yes. They don't hear yeah, that. Absolutely. And um, it goes without saying that a lot of these influencers, and I have met a couple, more than a couple, um, have issues themselves. Yeah. I mean, they don't eat properly, a, a lot of them. Some of them do. But, you know, that influencer holding that green smoothie, may, that may be the whole, only thing she eats all day. Their life, and this is what I actually tell my daughters as well, you know, what you see on social media is not even close to what happens in real life. Like, these people are curating their entire yeah. life. They yeah. live their entire life for the next Instagram post. It's sad. I've seen a, an influencer walk down a street 50 fucking times. So someone taking their picture could get the right shot. I know. 
It's crazy. And as she pouts her lips, it's like so gross, you know, but that's the, that's the world we're living in. Right. And it's, you know, it's sad because they get, they get reinforced. These influencers get reinforced in their own body issues. Oh, you look so skinny. You look so pretty. Oh, you've lost weight. It's like, yeah, but what are they doing otherwise? And my kids, my own kids see me like taking Instagram pictures with like the house is a mess. And I'm like, have a total <laughs> like bathroom tile as a marble background. They see like what happens behind the scenes that it's not all perfect. Right. But a lot of people don't, and they want to be like these influencers. And because with social media, we feel closer than ever before to celebrities and people of any stature in the community you know, it feels like if we follow them and they respond to our po- comments and we eat like them and we see that little glimpse into their day that we can be close to them and that we can be them. And it's not correct. And nor would you probably want to be them. Yeah, 100%. Well, as as you can attest to having the folded laundry in your background, which will get shown on the one minute audiogram clip that'll come out, you know, in advance of this podcast, yeah. like just keep look for people who are keeping it real. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So our first, our, our, our first thing that we want to go away is extreme intermittent fasting, or I would say at least even if you, even if you find some benefit to the extreme intermittent fasting, the hoopla and the nonsense that comes about with that or comes alongside with that. Yeah. Okay. What's number two? Uh, the cert food diet. I don't like the cert food diet. It was created by two trainers at a gym in the UK. Um, and it is the diet that Adele used to lose a quite significant amount of weight um, it's essentially a diet that's built around certs, um, which are sirtuins, which are proteins um, in the body that we th- believe affect aging and weight um, to some degree, um, but in particular aging and metabolism, whatever. So these guys did a study on their own with like 15 people in their gym who paid to be in the same. It was like the worst methodology in the world. It hasn't even been po- like printed or I mean published. Um, and then basically came out with this diet. That's a starvation diet. The first week is like a thousand calories. The se- the next two weeks, the maintenance phase, quote unquote, is 1500. You have to drink like this green juice and eat um, foods that are high in sirtuins or that, you know, like red wine and chocolate and certain things. But it's very restrictive, this diet. And it's essentially like a low calorie diet. But because Adele lost weight on it, people are going nuts over it. And it's just it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's a starvation diet. Anybody can lose weight on a starvation diet, but after the diet is over and this diet doesn't have any follow-up, it's basically like three weeks. And then what do you, what do you fucking do? It's three weeks, um, really? I didn't realize it was that short. I believe it's three weeks. It has the initial phase and then the maintenance phase, but then it's like, you know, doesn't have a follow. I guess you're just supposed to keep going back on it or like you just do the maintenance phase forever. But you're consuming such a low number of calories that, I mean, it's just never going to work in the long term. Do you think and, that it's dangerous? This, yeah, for sure it's dangerous. I mean, and I think, again, this is an example of two idiotic nutrition people who call themselves like nutrition coaches or whatever the hell they are, they're trainers, um, who are saying that this diet is great for everyone and who are taking really badly done research that they did, plus research that was done on sirtuins, but is on animals, and extrapolating that to humans. And you can't do that with any of that. That's not the way that any of this works. You know what's funny? You know what's really funny? So the first two that you just mentioned, we've kind of like come back to a few themes throughout the course of this discussion. The first two diets that you mentioned have almost identical 
themes flowing through them. First they of them, always they, do. They, yeah, you're, you're probably, there's your and, next and, book. And plus you, they always <laughs> don't allow gluten and dairy. Those are like the two <laughs> fucking, that's a red flag, okay? Anyone who says that gluten and dairy are not good, they're inflammatory and nobody should be eating them, turn around and run the other way. Because it, like dietitians just roll their eyes. We're just like, fuck, you know? So can you choose two other foods to villain, villainize or vilify, you know, because gluten and dairy have had their day and we're sick of that now. <laughs> It'll be two things 10 years from now, trust me. But what else They're all the same. All of these diets are the same. But they what, just have like one quickness. Yeah, and, and the, the, the themes through the first two, we're going to get it to at least three. Let's, <laughs> let's, try, let's try to get through three. But the themes th for the first two is, one, there's really poor research that backs it up. Either it's on animals or poor research in, in the second case that's, that's done by humans or both. Um, they're both versions of extreme caloric restrictions which right. likely produces any of the positive benefits that you're getting from it just you're reducing calories and you're losing weight and you get a benefit simply uh simply from that and they both have some like plausible mechanistic uh reason of action right they both hang on like one kernel of thread one kernel of truth right, but the in kernel order to get... involves an animal study right exactly exactly that that's inconclusive so like what is that but the layperson doesn't understand how to re read scientific research and these the developers of all these diets count on that fact right 100 percent. right um, and it's the same for the third diet, the Mayer method. So this is a diet that Rebel Wilson. Another celebrity lost. influencer. <laughs> the, the poor girl, like she's called Fat Amy in the Pitch Perfect um, movies, which is, ugh. but she lost a lot of weight on this diet. And it involves, again, caloric restriction and like the belief that um, your normal diet is is toxic and certain foods are toxic. And, um, you know, there's a Mayer Clinic in several parts of the world where you go and have bloodletting and fucking whatever, like all these wackadoodle bullshit treatments, like de detoxing foot baths. And it's just it's super expensive too, but that's besides the point that none of it means anything. And it's just, you're again, not eating anything. You're not eating anything. So that's the mechanism of weight loss, obviously not eating anything. It all kind of comes down to that. I didn't yeah. even know. I didn't even know that that last diet existed and I had to look it up in advance it's of so, this. It's, it's pretty the ridiculous. Ugliest thing. You know what? You know what? I have a fourth really quickly. Yeah. The all in diet by Teddy Mellencamp, which is getting so much shit online now. Teddy Mellencamp is a real housewife in um, California and she has this program. It's called an accountability program. It's basically fucking 500 calories a day. Oh. He's getting so much shit and she's defending it. She has these coaches, quote unquote, whose only qualifications she proudly states are having completed the program. No medical or any kind of other training. People have to take a picture of their weight on the scale every day. They have to take a picture of every meal. Um, they get screamed at and berated and talk down to if they like, a, a, apparently like if you eat a burger that has a half a bun and, or, and not, is not wrapped in lettuce, or if you eat chunky soup instead of plain broth for dinner, dinner is always a soup. That's it. Um, you get like kicked out of the program or severely like scolded. And the online is like, Reddit is full of people saying that they did this program and they actually made themselves vomit okay. before they got on the scale because they were afraid that their coach was going to yell at them. So needless to say, I'm not going to have links in the show notes to any of that shit. <laughs> Just to it's not like perpetuate any of it. <laughs> I wrote a Facebook rant about it the other day. Actually, New York Magazine, The Cut, just interviewed me about it. The journalist was like, I want to interview you about um, Teddy Mellencamp's uh, All In, the controversy. And I'm like, what? what are you even talking about? So I looked it up and I was like, oh, my God, I have so much to say about this. And it's all bad. <laughs> so this is, again, celebrity culture infiltrating diet culture and like 
vomiting all their shit all over the place. So people believe that if they starve, she's basically teaching people how to starve themselves so they can look like Teddy Mellencamp. Like who the fuck wants to even look like that? Well, so I want to, I want to try to like pivot a little bit of this because you've yeah. seen it devolve, right? We've just gone through yeah. what the end point is, is why is how it's all devolved. Do you think, can we like leave the listeners with any sort of like optimistic, is there a turning point? Do you think that it'll actually like come back to some sense of normalcy or have an equilibrium? You know, there always is the pendulum swings. Right. And we know that um, there was a swing towards restrictive diets. Now there's a swing towards anti-diets and intuitive eating. And I think people, those things will always be here and people will always still come out with diets that are crazy. However, I think we're getting smarter. Mm. And I think that um, we're more able um, through the power of social media and just like being more aware of the tricks that these celebrities or diet gurus use, um, we're more able to discern what is a legit diet and what we would be able to do for ourselves. And I think we're also coming into a, a, a a place where we are starting to understand that all the pain of restrictive diets isn't worth that extra five pounds and that we really need to be living our best life. Yeah. I think, I think the, the, the wrinkle that I'll add to that is, is we do typically view this as a pendulum that goes on natural cycles, right? Back and forth right. and back and forth. And remember the snack well days and you know, oh, now it's yeah, on the I other lived side. through that. Yeah, yes. exactly. Oh, yeah. But I, I think, I think that, it's it's equal parts natural cycle, but also there have to be people in place that also help bring it back to normalcy. Yeah, because left, course. it's like of chaos course. theory, right? Like left unchecked, it'll just get more and more chaotic. The of more course. and more salacious that you can get, that's the more eyeballs you can get it on, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I agree. So, I agree, and that's my job. There you go. So like, <laughs> bring people in the right direction. There you go. That well, you'll be you'll be in business for a while because I don't think I don't I don't even when it comes back to the middle, it'll go back to another side. People will push oh, yeah, it back course, to the other side. Of course, of right? course. There's always some vociferous, you know, diet guru, anecdotal war, diet warrior ready to tell everyone what worked for them. Diet warriors. Why are we in a world where we have to like pair those two words up? Because warrior. people assume the identity, yeah. their identity based on their diet well their instagram handle and their twitter handle and things like that when it includes their yeah. diet philosophy or their even, diet i identity. can't even wade into that pond anymore <laughs> <laughs> of, of people's like literal identity yeah. being whatever it is vegan high fat yeah. carnivore yeah, yeah, yeah. your life should be so much more than what you eat and unfortunately for a lot of people it's not yeah i agree with you okay what do we, what else do we need to know about the book? Comes out in January. Good food, Comes bad diet. Comes out in diet. January, 2021. You can pre-order it now on Amazon um, in the US and Canada and I believe the UK. If you just go to amazon.com in the UK, it, it like flips you over to the Amazon UK um, link for it. Because if you go to search it on Amazon UK, apparently it doesn't come up. I don't know. But yes, and it's out January 5th. And people are going to get down to the why of what yeah. is going to cause what what is causing their eating behaviors. Yes, exactly. Not a plan. Not lot. eat this. Don't eat that. Right. No, None it's not your typical. Nonsense. It's not your typical. I don't think any book exists that is like my book, and um, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I can't wait to get my hands on it personally. I'm going to send you a galley. Oh yeah, awesome! I can't wait to get it. Well, when, when the book actually comes out and you get all of the hate mail from the book, you'll have to come back on and then we can just go I'm ahead and rant. Back on. <laughs> we can just rant on all of that stuff because that'll Let's present it another, uh, that, that's another level, right? When you have a physical yeah. piece of literature that's out there, it's just more ammunition for people to attack. Absolutely. And we will go through it and we will debunk all of it. Nice. All right. Good. Or not. Maybe they'll change my mind. <laughs> or maybe, right? maybe, maybe. You're so convincing that you change everybody's mind. And that's what gets the pendulum back to the middle. That could be. How great it would that happen. be? I have faith. In it that. would be amazing. <laughs> All right, Abby. Thank you for your time. Uh, last thing, where can people find you on social media? I think everybody should give you a follow because it's hilarious and informative 
and you pull no punches all at the same time. So Facebook, I'm at um, Abby Langer Nutrition and uh, Instagram and Twitter. It's at Langer Nutrition. Awesome. Thank you, Abby, for your time. Appreciate it. Can't wait for the book to come out. It's going to be awesome. Oh, boy, that was fun. Thank you to Abby for coming on the podcast today. That was a hoot. Hope to bring you back once your book comes out in the early part of 2021. I wish you all the best of luck with that. Thank you to all the listeners for sticking with us today. I realize that that was a little bit of a salty one, but hey, what are you going to do? We're all people here and we all have our own individual personalities. And as I uh, mentioned on the onset of this podcast, I really appreciate Abby's personality with how she handles a lot of the nonsense in the nutrition world today. I do think it is a breath of fresh air and something that can help people cut through the clutter. If you have any feedback, please feel free to hit me up on social media or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Appreciate the heck out of each and every one of you listeners. And as always, we will see you out on the trails.